verse 24. And then we'll go from there to 2 Kings chapter 20. But right now, 2 Chronicles chapter 32, verse 24. <clears throat> the Word of God says this, In those days Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. He prayed to the Lord, who answered his prayer and gave him a miraculous sign. But Hezekiah's heart was proud, and he did not respond to the kindness that was shown to him. Therefore, the Lord's wrath was on him and on Judah and Jerusalem. Now flip to 2 Kings, chapter 20. Allow me to read to you from verse 1. In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, this is what the Lord says. Put your house in order. <laughs> because you are going to die. You will not recover. Hezekiah then turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Shall we pray? Father, I need you. As in every moment of every day, of every week, of every month, of every year, I need you. And I pray, O oh Lord, that you would help me tonight as I offer a message of exhortation and encouragement to your people. We thank you, O oh Lord, for bringing us to the end of 2012. We have had so many ups and so many downs. But Father, we know that it's only you who could take a few high notes and a few low notes and make a harmony out of them. We thank you, O oh God, because you have worked all things according to your good pleasure because we love you. And we trust you, O oh God, as we end one year, that you will be with us in the next. Now, Lord, be with this message. Not so much the messenger, but with this message. And, and God, may someone tonight know the master in the message. Above all things, we pray that when you come, we will be saved into your kingdom. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. It's a curious story that I read dozens of times just today. It's interesting because God tells the prophet Isaiah to go to King Hezekiah with one message. Hezekiah, you're going to die. This is it. This is the big one. You are not going to make it through this. You're not going to make a comeback from this one. You are not going to recover. Hezekiah, you are going to die. I don't care what the physicians have told you. Do not cling to any hope. I don't care what miraculous drug or herb that you have found that may extend your life a little bit longer. Hezekiah, I'm telling you, you are going to die. Now, it's one thing, brothers and sisters, if a doctor gives us a diagnosis of death or a terminal illness, because at least at that point, we can cling to the hope that this doctor is a human being and he's susceptible to error. But it's something different when God sends a prophet to your doorstep to tell you, 
Hezekiah, you are going to die. Have mercy. And not only that, you will not recover. This thing now gets really, really serious. And then God says, because you're going to die, Hezekiah, here's what I want you to do. Get your house in order. Take your time if you have to. Write out your will and decide what you're going to leave to everybody, how much you're going to leave and who you're going to leave it to. Kiss and make up with your wife if you had an argument with her this week. Take your kids, pray over them, hug them, because this is the last time you will have an opportunity to do so. Look out of your window and see the last sunset and the last sunrise. You will never see another one again. Hezekiah, I'm telling you, you are going to die. Tonight, your soul is required of you. And then I wondered to myself as I read this text, which one of us in the building tonight could stomach such an indictment as this? Where God somehow sends a message to us or whispers in our ear or sends somebody to tell us tonight we are going to die. Which one of us in the building tonight would not be afraid of where our souls would lie? Which one of us would not take our time and think about the things that we have done this year to give God glory or rather to take God's glory away? Which one of us would not put in our heads to really think about how many times we have disobeyed God? How many of us would think about the fact that if Christ were to come or if we were to die, maybe, maybe not, we would meet him in peace? God tells Hezekiah tonight, brother, you are going to die. And I've learned in my short time living on this earth, just 25 years, that there is something about knowing that your life is about to be over that causes you to reconsider a few things. In fact, Solomon even says, it's much better for us to go to the house of mourning than to the house of feasting. Because once you finish feasting and celebrating and, and enjoying revelry for a time, there is nothing produced from that. You just enjoy euphoria and happiness for a moment. But when you go to the house of mourning, that's when you begin to realize you are in control of nothing. Amen, church. You have no power in yourself. You cannot change circumstances. You cannot extend your life any longer. You cannot heal yourself. At the end of the day, when death comes knocking on your door, the only person you can trust and the only person you can talk to about it is God. God tells him, you're going to die. Get your house in order. Pastor and I have funeralized a number of people this year. And this being my first time in full-time ministry, it was somewhat hard for me. But nothing struck me as much as the other day when we had to bury a four-month-old baby. <clears throat> and when the brother was telling his story about how the baby died, it, it really didn't hit me as much as I thought it would. But when I just strolled into the church with my black suit on, as I usually did, and my Bible in hand, and I just happened to look to the right and see a casket only about this big, 
something startled me. It's one thing to see someone who has lived their entire life in a casket. It's one thing to see an adult who has had experiences. They've been married. They may have been divorced. They've had kids. They've been places. They've enjoyed their life, and now they're dead. Yeah, that's okay. But to see a baby in a casket caused me to think about a few things. Number one, any moment or at any day of our lives, God could call our number. It's kind of scary when you think about it. At any point in our lives, God could call us home. At any time in our lives, our name could come up before the Lord and our hearts will stop beating and the breath will expire from our lungs and our spirit will go back to God and our bodies to the dust and we will be dead. And I think sometimes God even uses funerals to jar us back to a sense of reality. That we're not just living day in and day out. At any moment, we could die. And I tell you the truth, I am less enamored with the prospect of a new year than the prospect of a new day every day. Because it was Jeremiah who said, his mercies are new every morning. Not every year, but every morning. We should be grateful to God for every day that we live and that we breathe. Every morning that we wake up and we get an opportunity to see sunrises, we ought to be grateful to God. At the moment when we realize we still have our faculties about ourselves and we know who we are and whose we are and we can breathe on our own without the assistance of a machine, we ought to say thank you, God. Because we are living on grace. Bible says, God tells Hezekiah, Hezekiah, King Hezekiah, you are going to die. I know you're the king of Israel. I know you're successful. I know you love me. I know you tried to do what is best in your life. I know that you are powerful and you are strong and you are rich, but you are no better than any other human being on this earth. Tonight, your soul is required of you. You are going to die. And evidently, God sent Isaiah to Hezekiah to warn him about his imminent demise so that he could get his house in order. Now, some scholars say that, well, God simply meant that Hezekiah had to sign some paperwork and get ready for the new king that was coming in. But most scholars believe that in some way, shape or form, Hezekiah needed to make preparations for his soul. Now, the truth is, Hezekiah was a good king. If you read the story and you read about his life, he actually began his ministry at the age that I am at now, at 25 years old. He began to reign over Israel, and then he reigned for 29 years. The Bible says he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. He kept all of God's commands. He trusted the Lord. The Bible even goes so far as to say there was nobody like him amongst all the kings in Israel, and God was with him in whatever he undertook. But for whatever reason, God said to Hezekiah, you are going to die. Get your house in order. And I feel tonight 
as we are on the precipice of another year, there is probably no other fitting phrase for us, even stripped from its scriptural context, than for us to realize today we have got to get our houses in order. And see, you've heard that so many times before that it really has no bearing on your, on your mind right now. But realize with me, brothers and sisters, should the Lord delay his coming, each and every one of us will die. Oh, amen. Should God delay his coming any further, we will die. Each and every one of us will pass through the portals of death. Each and every one of us will experience the weakness of our mortality at some point in our lives. And when your number is called, the question you have to ask yourselves is, will my house be in order? Now, it would be a shame for us today to have lived all throughout 2012, to have time after time to examine ourselves, to listen to song after song, testimony after testimony, and hear the word preach, preach again and again and again, and never make any decisive changes about it for 2013. It would be a shame for us to make the same old mistakes over and over and over again, to keep up with the same old habits, the same old stuff that God told us about in 2012 and then carry it over into 2013. And I know you're saying right now, well, pastor, it's not that easy. It's not that simple for me to give up what I'm doing. And I know it. But I have to encourage you with this tonight. I also want you to know that before we start making New Year's resolutions, I would say before you make a New Year's resolution, you need to be resolute for the next year. And I'll help you in just one minute. But let me say it again, because I don't want it to fly over your head. Before you start making New Year's resolutions for 2013, you need to be resolute about a few things in your life. Number one, God must be first in everything. Mm. Can't make it no more plain than that. God must be first and only in everything. <clears throat> whether it is my giving, whether it is my marriage, whether it is my life or my job, whatever it is, God must be first. And I'm not moving from that. <clears throat> I got to be resolute in that. Number two, in 2013, I'm not going back. <clears throat> not only am I not going back, I'm not looking back. There's nothing for me in 2012. Some of the same stuff God brought me out of, the Bible says only a, a fool is like a dog that goes back to its vomit. Some of the things that God has brought us out of in 2012, it would be a shame before our divine creator for us to go running back to it or even to look back at it. Number three, I'm not going to stay the same. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> not only am I not going back, but I'm not going to stay in the position that I'm at right now. 
Because when it comes to the Christian journey, if you are not moving, (laughs) if you are not striving to go forward, if you are not growing, you are dying. And eventually, you will come to the point where you have no real relationship with God at all, and you will succumb to compromise time and time again. If you are not moving forward with God, trying to go upward and onward with him, if you're not trying to go deeper into his word, if you're not trying to get closer to him, and the Bible says if you draw nigh to him, he will draw nigh unto you. If you do not do that, you are dying. You need to be resolute in a few things before you start saying, I want to lose weight in 2013. Before you start saying, I want God to shower me with blessings in 2013. You need to be resolute on these things first. And honestly, I kind of feel like these should not be New Year's resolutions anyway. These should be everyday resolutions. Every day, God is, he's first in everything. Every day, I'm not going to look back on what happened yesterday. That's history. Every day, I'm trying to do better, and I'm just saying yes to God. And whatever he asks me to do, it doesn't matter what it is. God, you say move, I ask you how high, and I do it. Okay. I'm less enamored with the prospect, guys, of a new year than I am with the prospect of a new day because I realize at any point in my life, God could call my number and God could call me home. 2013, don't make resolutions. Be resolute. You be it first. Okay. And I believe tonight, God does not want us to be getting ready. I don't believe that. Can't, 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 can't corroborate that. Can't agree with that. I believe God wants us to be ready and stay ready. Because the fearful thing about scripture is Jesus says he is coming like a thief in the night. My goodness. We don't know when he's coming. We have no idea when Christ is going to crack the sky. If we wait for an opportune moment to get our lives ready for God, we will not be ready. God wants us to be ready and stay ready at all times. God told Hezekiah, tonight you're going to die. I want to be ready. And I'd like two examples in scripture if you indulge me for a moment. Simeon, that, that man who was in the temple after Jesus was born, you remember him? The Bible says that, 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 that Mary and Joseph brought him, uh, Jesus into the temple because it was time for him to be circumcised and Simeon was there and the Holy Spirit had revealed to him that he would not die before he saw the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says he received Jesus into his hands and he blessed him. And then the Bible says that he says something curious. Simeon then says, okay, Lord, now you can dismiss me in peace. I've seen the Lord. I'm ready to go. And I pray that we all (laughs) would have that type of relationship with God that at any moment, if God were to come, I am ready to go. Oh, man, help me, Lord. I pray that we will be like Paul in his life who said, you know what? I am ready to be poured out like wine. I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have given my all to this thing. And now I am ready. I am ready now to be offered. And henceforth there lays up for me a crown of righteousness, 
which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me, and not only to me, but all those who love his appearing. I pray that at any moment, if God were to send a prophet to your door, or God would have let you know that you were going to die tonight and you were not going to make it into 2013, you'd be ready to go with him. Amen. Hmm. So Isaiah just received the word. Isaiah has, Hezekiah rather, has just received the word that he is going to die. The Bible says that the prophet Isaiah leaves out of the king's bedroom and then King Hezekiah turns his face to the wall. He turns his face to the wall and turned his back to the rest of the world. <laughs> Y'all missed that. Hezekiah, when he found out the news that he was going to die, realized now it's time to get my house in order. <laughs> and he turned his face to the wall and got into his prayer closet and turned his back to the rest of the world. And the Bible says that he prayed this prayer, Lord, remember, Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And the Bible says Hezekiah wept bitterly, but which one of us tonight would be able to say, Lord, I've lived wholeheartedly for you. I've given you everything that I have. I have been faithful in everything that you have asked me to do. Which one of us tonight could pray that prayer that Hezekiah gave? The Bible says he was so afraid for his life and he wanted to be saved and he did not want to die that the Bible says that he wept bitterly. And get this, verse 4, before Isaiah had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him, go back and tell Hezekiah, the ruler of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father, David, says. I have heard your prayer and I have seen your tears. Thank you, Lord. I will heal you. And on the third day from now, you will go up to the temple of the Lord. And get this. I will add 15 years to your life. Now, you got to understand this story to get the full import of what I'm talking about today. Bible says... Isaiah had given Hezekiah the word that he was going to die. The sentence had been given. The message had been delivered. It was a done deal. God had spoken. Let the church say amen. There was nothing more that needed to be said. Isaiah packed up his stuff and began to leave. The Bible says he was going about his business. But before he could even get out of the palace, before he could get to, to, to the middle of the courtyard, the Bible says Hezekiah began to pray. <laughs> and while he's praying, Isaiah had to turn around and reverse everything that he said. Now, 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 get this. <clears throat> what really happened is, as Hezekiah prayed, he literally stopped God in his tracks and caused God to turn around and change what he had already pronounced. As he's praying, he changes what God has already written in stone. 
Hezekiah was supposed to die. The sentence was given. But as he prayed, the Bible says, and he turned his face to the wall, Isaiah had to turn around and reverse what he said and not only stop him from dying, but add 15 years to his life. Brothers and sisters, I'll give you a few points and I'm going to sit down. First of all, prayer is power. And I had to preach about this for three weeks while you were away, Pastor. I had to do it. I had to do it. Because we, we, we forget how much power we have when we talk to God. Bible says the man of God prayed and God was walking away from his situation. It was already done. And in the midst of him praying, he had to turn around and come back. Thank you, Lord. Prayer is power. And my encouragement for you for next year is this, is this, is this. Go into 2013 praying your way all the way through. Mercy. I don't want you, I don't want me, I don't want us to miss out on what God has for us simply because we don't have enough sense to pray when God has told us if we ask, we shall receive. You ought not forget that when Christ died, The veil between us and God was rent in twain. And the Bible says we can now come boldly, thank you, to the throne of grace. And we can ask whatever we want from God. No matter what it is, if we need something, we can ask. And God says if we ask, we shall receive. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and the door will be open. Okay. Well, Hezekiah asked, well... Isaiah, what will be the sign that God's going to do this and, 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 and increase my years, 15 years? Isaiah said this, brother, you got a choice. You can either have the sundial go 10, st- 10 steps forward. In other words, God would move time forward. God would move time forward. All right. It's crazy. Or you can ask God to move the sundial 10 steps backward. It's It's your your choice. choice. The Bible says Hezekiah began to think about it. He said, you know what? Moving time forward, I don't know why he said this, but moving time forward is easy. That's normal because time moves anyway. God, I want you to move the sundial 10 steps back. And the Bible says that God did it. And there's a message in there for us as well. Because not only are you to pray in 2013, brothers and sisters, you better pray some big prayers in 2013. And as a pastor and I were discussing one day, the truth of the matter is this. God's going to do what he wants to do anyway. So you may as well ask him for what you want. Tell God what you want and do not hold back. He's God. It's an insult for us not to ask because we think God cannot give. He is God. <laughs> you might as well ask. And then I end on this last point for you tonight because I know 
I only have a little bit of time losing my voice already. Verse 12, 2 Kings chapter 20. At that time, Marduk, Baladan, son of, of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent Hezekiah letters and a gift because he had heard of Hezekiah's illness. Hezekiah received the envoys and showed them all that was in his storehouses. The silver, the gold, the spices, the fine olive oil, his armory and everything found among his treasures. There was nothing in his palace or in all his kingdom that Hezekiah did not show them. Then Isaiah, the prophet, went to King Hezekiah and asked him, what did those men say and where did they come from? Well, they came from a distant land, Hezekiah replied. They came from Babylon, a heathen nation. The prophet asked, well, Hezekiah, then what did you show them in, in your palace? What did they see? Well, prophet, they, they, they saw everything in my palace, Hezekiah said. There is nothing among my treasures that I did not show them. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, hear the word of the Lord. The time will surely come and everything in your palace and all that your predecessors have stored up until this day will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. And some of your descendants, your own flesh and blood, who, you will, who will be born to you will be taken away and they will become eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. <clears throat> now you got to catch this scene right now and I'm going to take my seat. Envoys from a heathen nation come to Israel. And they come to Hezekiah. These people do not know God. They have no relationship with him. They know nothing about Hebrew scriptures. They know nothing about God delivering the people of Israel from Egypt. They don't know anything about Jehovah Jireh. And they come to Hezekiah to learn about Israel's culture. They come to learn and to see what is going on in the kingdom. And the Bible says Hezekiah immediately takes them to his storeroom, shows him, shows them uh, the fine silver and the fine gold and all the nice things that they have in the kingdom. And then Isaiah comes to him and says, now, wait a minute. What did you show them? And Hezekiah replied, I showed them all of my treasures. And then the prophet exacted judgment on him and said, because you have done this, Babylon will take over this nation. Everything that you love so much will be taken away from you. And even your own flesh and blood will be slaves. Now, the question you got to ask yourself is, what was wrong with that situation? Why did Isaiah pronounce that judgment on him? And the reason is this. Hezekiah... <laughs> said nothing about God. He told them nothing about Jehovah. Immediately, he began to show off his new car. <laughs> he immediately began to show off all the riches that he had. He immediately began to show off his nice palace. The brother showed off everything that God had gave him, but never told the people anything about God who gave it to him in the first place. 
Now, the last thing I got to leave you with tonight is this. God has done some things for you in 2012. And don't tell me he has not. If you believe, if you believe tonight that God is not good, then inhale and exhale. And that is enough for you to know that God is blessing you. You don't deserve to be here tonight. You should not be alive. You definitely should not have all your faculties about you. God is blessing you. And if God has done anything for you in 2012, you ought not forget to give God thanks and to let somebody know what God has done for you. We just read that God said, Hezekiah, you're going to die. You're not going to make it to 2013. You're going to die tonight. And the brother turned his face to the wall. He prayed to God and God added 15 years to his life. And when somebody comes to learn about his life and to learn about his story, the only thing they hear is about the blessings that God has given him. What about the blesser? Why are we always talking about the beneficial stuff? What about the beneficiary? What about God who gave it to us? Brothers and sisters tonight. <laughs> oh, help me, Lord. If you're going to move into 2013, you first better give God thanks for getting you through 365 days of 2012. You would not have made it without God. God has blessed you even when you did not even have sense enough to ask him for what you need. God gave it to you anyway. You ought to say thank you. <laughs> Truth of the matter is I heard one preacher say that some of us are not even living according to our own prayers. We're living off of the prayers of our grandmothers and great-grandmothers and great-great-grandfathers that prayed for us way down the line before we even got here. And some of the things I can tell you today right now, <laughs> I can tell you today right now, some things I have not prayed for in my life that God has blessed me with, it was mama that prayed for me. I know it was my mother. I didn't have sense enough to even ask God for it. And I know that my mother day in and day out, she's praying for me. I know it was my daddy. He was praying for me. God has been good to me this year. And if he's been good to you, you ought not forget to give him thanks. Oh, this year is coming to a close. Amen. It's wrapping up now. And I don't want you to be so enamored with the end of a year. So much as you need to be enamored with the end of a day. How can you possibly say that you deserve to live? Even if you never committed another sin in your life, practically. By virtue of the simple fact that you are a human being. And you are the seed of Adam and Eve. You're a sinner. And your life is borrowed from God. (laughs) 
Bible says Hezekiah was going to die that night. And God gave him another 15 years. And because God had blessed him so much and he was so successful, pride got the best of him. And he forgot about the God that brought him through. Now I don't want you to go into 2013 like that. 2013 is your 15 years. That is your 15 years. And day in and day out, as the sun rises and sets and the moon comes up, seasons change. I just want you to be grateful day by day to your God. Sometimes I forget. I just wake up in the morning and forget how good God has been. Just, just, just get dressed, brush my teeth, go out the door, just do what I got to do. Even doing ministry, doing the work of God, but then forgetting the God of the work. <laughs> we forget how good God has been. And so just think right now over 2012. You need a moment right now. <clears throat> Try to go month by month. January, February, <laughs> March. April, May, June, July. <clears throat> you survive storms. You survive near-death accidents. <laughs> you come through birthdays and holidays and anniversaries. You don't even know what the devil had planned for you. You ought to thank God for danger seen and unseen. You don't even know what God has, has saved you from. The Bible says the angel of the Lord... <laughs> encampeth around those that fear him you, I, I don't even know what God has saved me I don't even know but what I do know is this on the day that we are saved Ellen White says this when we all get to that holy city there will be on the panoramic screen everything that God has done to save our lives we will see it moment by moment day by day all of 2012 and one neat little package we, we, we will see Lord had nothing to do with me it was you I had no idea God what I was getting myself into I didn't get that job by myself <clears throat> I definitely didn't pay my bills by myself couldn't take care of my kids by myself I didn't keep my house by myself I didn't keep gas in the car and I don't even know how it happened but it was you and your desire tonight ought to be simply this <clears throat> that you are going to let God's praises ring from your lips as often as God gives you utterance and when somebody asks you about your life or even desires to know your name or get to know you in any way, shape, or form. The first thing out of your mouth ought to be, God has been good to me. God. God. Him. Not me. God has brought me through. Father in heaven, we bless your holy name. For how you have led us in times past. What you have done for us this year. And Lord, we're not foolish enough to believe that 2013 is just one block of time. No, Lord, we're thanking you for every day that we get through. In fact, 
The psalmist even says, God, in Psalms 90, that you would teach us to number our days so that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. Tonight, oh Lord, we just say thank you to you for what you have done in 2012. We ask, oh God, that you lead us safely into 2013. And we pray, O oh Lord, we may not forget the same God who brought us through, that we would not be like the children of Israel, that at every circumstance and at every hard trial, we want to go back to Egypt. No, 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 no. Thank you for bringing us through. And we trust that you will get us through with your safekeeping. We love you today. And above all things, if you never do another thing for us, of course, our prayer is always this. That you will save us into your blessed kingdom. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. If you love God, if you thank him for getting you through 2012, just put your hands together and praise God for what he has done.